0: This is FaithCast, weekly messages from Victory Faith in Spokane, Washington. To stay connected with Victory Faith, visit VictoryFaith.org, where you can submit prayer requests and praise reports, sign up to receive weekly email updates, give online, and much, much more. Consider joining us for our live stream online Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at VictoryFaith.org live. Now, on to the message. Good morning, Victory Faith. My name is Adam Seymour, and I'm the head teacher back in Victory Kids, second through sixth grade. I myself have been working with kids since I was 15 years old, and I've been with Victory Faith now for four years. What I enjoy the most about working back there is being able to be a kid yourself. We get to have fun with the kids, we get to lead the kids, and we also get to give them a godly message. So we've got just a short time to be a leader to them, have fun with them, but also teach them about Jesus. If you wanna join the team, if you wanna come be a part of us, come back and talk with us. There's so many roles you can do back there. It's not necessarily being up on stage teaching the kids. We have plenty of roles. So if you feel it's a fit for you and you wanna come have fun, get to be a kid yourself, come back and see us. We'd love to talk with you.
1: Hi, Victory Faith. My name is Justin and I serve on the Usher and Security team. The main responsibility of our team is to ensure that you are safe and that you feel safe every time you come see us. We are also ushers. Um, and part of the responsibilities with ushers is to ensure that you're comfortable and come here each week and find your favorite seat. Well, unless you're late, in that case, we have the back row. I'm kidding, of course, but uh, kind of. Our main goal as a team is a positive impression. First impression, second impression, and every single one thereafter. From the time you enter through the parking lot to meet the impression team greeting you at the front door, we ensure that it's seamless and a positive experience during your whole time here. We come here each Sunday with a desire and passion to serve with excellence, not out of obligation. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily, not for man, but for the Lord. That attitude is truly contagious and leads to conduits that grow our church and grow our church through our greater community and gives rise to newly saved souls. As Pastor Trevor and Pastor Justin often say, it takes an army of volunteers for the church to function. And we're always looking for people like yourselves to come serve right along with us uh, each and every Sunday to glorify God. And if anything I said here to you today is of interest to you, Please come visit us in the lobby after service and talk to us about the opportunities we have available for you. Thank you, Victory Faith. Love and peace to you all. Morning.
0: What a good day already in the house. I think we exalted the Lord today some, didn't we? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Hey, something happened right in this room on Friday night that was crazy and outrageous. It was flourish night for the women, and some of us guys snuck in. And it was incredible, so amazing, so amazing, so good. Well, we're in a series, hello, those of you online, we love you, we bless you, we're glad you're with us. Um, We're in a series, we felt at the beginning of the year that God was speaking to us that it was time to move life forward. That after the last two years, all we've been through from lockdowns to overreach to all these different things, God was speaking to us to forget what was behind and to reach on into the future and to move life forward. And one of the areas, so that means moving family forward, that means moving church forward. And so this month, this is the last in the series we're gonna do about moving specifically church forward. But you know how we operate around here, our leadership team, our catalyst team, we call it, as we put together messages and series, we're always mindful of that you're getting a balanced diet. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I get a balanced diet. And what I mean by that is, We wanna make sure that in the message, we speak to you as an individual. We wanna make sure that there's times we speak to you as a church. And then we speak to you at times as we're talking about Spokane or our nation. And so it's not just one focus or the other, but trying to bring that balanced diet to each one of us so that we realize that it's not just about me, it's not just about my family, it's not just about my church, it's not just about my city, but God has destiny for each one of us in growing circles all around the world, and I love that. So Pastor Trevor's done an awesome job, Pastor Ellie, Pastor Justin I know shared, um, and so we'll, we'll wrap it up here. I get to the privilege and honor of doing that. But I was watching online last week, um, and second service, interesting thing happened. God moved in a particular way, and Pastor Trevor threw the message out And the whole service was just worship and declarations and presence of God. And I'm just so proud of our whole team that they did that um, because God is in the business of changing lives. God is in the business of showing up. He's in charge, we're not. Could I hear a hoo for that? He's in charge, we're not. And I just wanna declare over us, revival is here. Revival is happening. Awakening is happening. You know, you could look around us and think the world is getting darker. That's when revival is needed the most. You know, in our nation, there's times in our nation's history, I I love the example of the state of Kentucky, in Kentucky, um, you read historical uh, facts about it. Churches were closing down. Pastors were distraught. People were quitting going to church. And something happened called the Cane Ridge Revivals in the, in the state of Kentucky. And they, were, they would have these outdoor meetings and they expected hundreds of people to show up. Tens of thousands of people showed up. And over a summer... One historians say between one-tenth and one-eighth of the state of Kentucky got saved in one summer. That Now, for us today in the state of Washington, that would be like seven to eight hundred thousand people getting saved in one summer in the state of Washington. Is anything too big for our God? No. Our God is amazing big and he wants to see his love released over all the world. So, So, we'll move into this moving church forward. So, I'm going to talk to you today about being great in the kingdom of God. Um, You're going to get so many scriptures today. I I want you to take your Holy Ghost doggy bag and I want you to put all these scriptures in them and I want you to go home and I want you to meditate on them, okay? You're going to get a whole, whole bunch of scriptures today. So, let's start in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17. And we're going to go through a whole bunch of scriptures. And I'm going to start out by talking about how great our God is. It says in Deuteronomy 10, 17, For the Lord your God is a God of gods, big G of little g's, and Lord of lords, big L of little l's, the great God, mighty and awesome. So I'm, I'm going to go through a whole bunch of scriptures, and I'm going to need your help. So I'm enlisting you. You get PE credit for worship. This You get some kind of credit for this. When, when we get to the word great in these scriptures, I want you to shout out great, all right? So let's give it a try. Let's try it out. For the Lord your God is a God of gods, Lord of lords, the great. Oh, yes. You're awesome, Victory Faith. The great God. First Chronicles 16.25. For the Lord is Praise. Oh, come on. And greatly to be praised. Psalm 47, verse 2. For the Lord Most High is awesome. I use that word far too much. Anybody here use awesome too much? I do. Because I just think people are awesome. But anyway, the reality is God is awesome. God is awesome. Our God is awesome. That's where that word originated Where and who it really should be applied to. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great Great king. Come on, over all the earth. Psalm 48, verse 1. Great Great. is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Psalm 95, verse 3. For the Lord is the great great God and the great great king above all gods. And then I love this one. I didn't use all the scriptures. We don't have time. I just looked up a few. Malachi 1, verse 14. Is God talking about himself? I love this one. He says, I am a Great Great king, says the Lord of hosts. So our God, I hope you agree with me by now, scripturally, our God is a Great. great God and a great king, okay? So listen what that word means in the Hebrew. It's noble, mighty, great in honor, and promoted. That's what that word great means when we keep hearing that great God, great king. And you think about it, the, the universe, we're still understanding and finding more of the universe, but however much they find, the Bible tells us God holds it all in the span of his hand. So he is a great God and a great king. So, good question to ask this great God, this great king, what is his plans and purposes for planet Earth? What does this great king, great God want to do here on the planet? Well, I can give you some insight into that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, then God, singular, very interesting verse, then God, singular, said, let us. How could he do that? How could it be God saying us? Well, it's the Trinity. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Come on, I love it. So in other words, we're supposed to be, in many ways, like him. Would it be too much to think that maybe a great God would want a great people? Huh? Might be, might be. Well, let's go look through some people in the Bible that says something about them in this area. Let's start with Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. So that's the same Hebrew word that describes God is used to describe Abraham. Wow. Wow. How about Isaac, his son? Genesis 26, verse 13. And the man waxed great. I I didn't know that Isaac waxed. It it was a surprise to me. But, and the man waxed great. Oops, sorry. And the man waxed great. (laughs) And went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks, possessions of herds, a great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. How about Jacob, the grandson? Genesis 46, verse 3. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great great nation. How about Moses? Exodus chapter 11, verse 3. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very Great. great. In the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of all the people. How about King David? 2 Samuel 5, verse 10. So David went on and became great, great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. How about Daniel? Daniel 2, verse 48. Then the king made Daniel a Great. great man, and gave him many great gifts. I like the great gifts. Come on. And made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. Let's move into the New Testament. John the Baptist. Luke 1, verse 15 says this. God says, for he, speaking of John the Baptist, he will be great. great in the sight of the Lord. And of course, our Lord and Savior Jesus, Luke 1, verse 31 says, you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. great. <laughs> Matthew four sixteen. Jesus quotes a prophecy from hundreds of years before that spoke of Jesus showing up in a place of darkness. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region, the shadow of death light has dawned. So God says we are made in his image. Great God desires a great people. Very interesting. Do you know his imprint is on you? You ever go around and and see somebody's kid and you go, I know whose kid that is. (laughs) Yeah. Or you, 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 they do something like, I love watching fathers and sons golf or do some sporting event or something. Because dad obviously trained the kid and you watch their swing or their swing, whatever it is. And they're just a spitting image of the dad or whoever taught them uh, how to do that. We have God's image, his imprint upon us. His seed is in us. His seed of greatness is in us. His seed of greatness is in us. That's who we are. His DNA and in his DNA is greatness is written all over us. So do you know that people are actually drawn to greatness? People, it's in us. It is in us. We are drawn to greatness. Why do people worship someone like LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Elon Musk, Bill Gates? I mean, I could go on and on over my life thinking of people that someone thought was great and they wanted to be like them. We are drawn to greatness. I think, how many, somebody, well, I got a million followers, I got a million TikTok followers. I, got, I mean, that's supposedly great in this day and age. The challenge is most people are using the wrong definition of greatness. So what we're gonna talk about is what is God's definition of greatness? The world has its definition But what is God's? And one of the best ways I've seen God share it, and I can share it with you, is the disciples, as they walked with Jesus, got into arguments. And almost every time they were arguing about one thing. And don't you love that the Bible doesn't hide that? Don't you love that God shows us the disciples arguing, shows us the frailty of this person, the frailty of that person? I think one of the main purposes is for us to be encouraged, If he can can come out of that place and walk with God, what can I do? So I love that the disciples, the scriptures are very clear what they're arguing about. In Matthew 18, it says they are arguing about who is going to be greatest in the kingdom. And they even go to Jesus to ask him. Can you see this little flock of his, you know, no, no, I mean, no, 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 me. I'm the great. Come on, we're going to go talk to Jesus about this. So they stroll over to Jesus and pull up and who's ever the leader at that moment, whether it's Peter, or somebody I can see him say, Lord, would you help us a little bit with this? (laughs) We're all trying to figure out who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom here and we all know who that is, but would you help them straighten this out for them? So they're arguing about who's gonna be greatest and they take the argument to Jesus. They're not embarrassed to take that argument to Jesus. Mark in chapter nine, it says they disputed or fought among themselves who would be the greatest in the kingdom. In Luke chapter 9, that says, there arose reasoning or arguments among them who was the greatest. So interesting. The one that blows my mind is in Luke 22, verse 24. Luke 22, verse 24. This one blows my mind. This is at the Last Supper. This is at the Last Supper. They're sitting at the table. They're at the Last Supper. And Jesus has just told them, one of you is going to betray me. That would shake my boat a little bit, I think. He said, somebody's going to betray me. And they're sitting at the table at the Last Supper. It says they started arguing about who is going to be greatest in the kingdom. Now, you could easily write that off and just say, oh, that's pride. These guys are so full of pride. Or could it be that the message they've been hearing from Jesus has been about being great in the kingdom? I can guarantee you what it was. Because if he's going to tell them about his great father he will be talking to them about what his great father wants to do in their lives. So they've been hearing a message about being great. They just got the wrong definition used for being great in the kingdom. And so Jesus, we can see him several times verbally trying to get across to them what it really means to be great in the kingdom, but he's not having. I just love, though, that they, they have no problem with coming to him with this issue. That tells me they're hearing that message from him. And so Jesus has to get through to them to help them understand, no, you have the wrong definition of greatness. So what happens is we come to a place where Jesus physically acts out what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just physically act this out so that you cannot miss it. And it's the foot washing. It's the, that's what the foot washing is all about. He is giving them a dish, a definition, a kingdom of God definition of what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. So let's go there. Let's go to John 13, start in verse 1. We'll read a few scriptures. But this is Jesus. He's been hearing them argue. He's been, they got the wrong definition. He needs to get through to them to get the correct definition of what it means to be great. Verse 1, it says, And it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Isn't that, uh, you think about this, so this is one of the last lessons he'll have with them in the flesh. So he's going to make it count. He's going to get their attention here. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. While the evening, or the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Iscariot, to betray Jesus, so this is in the middle of the meal. This isn't after everybody's done eating. This is in the middle of the meal Jesus is going to be doing this. The evening meal was in progress. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Did anything ever change in your life when you, just, you realized where you came from and where you were going? That is a powerful thing to have happen in our lives. To know where we've come from and to know where we're going. And Jesus, it says right here, he says he knew the father put all things under his power that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So I got to give you a little backstory on this. In their day and age, these guys were out walking the roads and out all over the place. Their roads in that day were not paved, duh, not paved. Their roads were not paved and they're walking in mostly open-toed sandals or open-toed shoes that they're walking around in and they're sharing these roads of gravel and dirt with things like horses, cows, sheep, goats, stuff like that. So you can imagine their road surface is a little different than our road surfaces today. For those of you at home, hopefully that makes sense. So they're walking around, open-toed shoes, and can you imagine your feet after a day or two of walking around in that? And tradition for them in that day and age was when you came to someone's house, tradition was the lowest man on the totem pole, the lowest servant in the house, it was the worst job in the house, The lowest servant, you knew who was lowest on the bottom, on the ladder rung, because this was their job. When you came into the house, they washed your feet. That was tradition. That's what you did in that day and age. Because when you would sit around, they didn't sit with their feet under a table like we do today. They would have a lower table with pillows, that type of thing, and they would recline, and your feet would be right up in the face of your neighbor. So it was important, amen, that they would wash their feet. Well, these guys have come in, everybody has come in off the road with stinky, dirty feet and nobody was there to wash their feet. So they all just head in, sit down, recline and they're all sitting there eating the meal. In the midst of that, Jesus gets up, takes off his outer garment, wraps a towel around his waist, pours water in a basin and he, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, begins to wash each one of their feet. I, I can't imagine the horror on their faces. I mean, the, this, this, the Messiah, the rabbi, is coming around washing their dirty feet. So he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now we get to see a picture into Peter. Don't you love Peter? He is going 100 miles an hour, one way or the other. It's just, there's no halfway with Peter. He said, he said, Simon Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. He must have had a few road apples between his toes or something, I don't know. (laughs) No, you shall never wash my feet. Now listen, Jesus answered, well, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So he's going 100 miles an hour this way. Now he's going to turn and go 100 miles an hour the other way. Then, Lord... Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head also. Come on, Jesus, let's do the whole thing here. <laughs> Anybody know a Peter? Come on, Peters are awesome. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew he was going who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Whew. So Judas is there at the table also when he had finished washing their feet. That means Jesus washed Judas' feet. You and I want to kill the betrayer. Oh, I think I better set in this one for a minute. You and I want to kill the betrayer. You and I want to do away with the betrayer. Jesus washed the feet of the betrayer. Can you imagine? He knows this guy is going to be going out in a few minutes and for a few silver coins is going to sell Jesus out. But in love, this is the love that takes no account of the evil done to it. Jesus washes the feet of the betrayer. Wow. Anybody need help? (laughs) I mean, I need the Holy Ghost. I need Holy Spirit to help me bless those who don't deserve blessing. Amen? Amen. And I'm one of them, that's for sure. So he he finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes, returned to his place. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and that's good, that's right, for that is who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verily, truly I say to you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you know them. Is that what it says? Help me online. Is that what it says? No, No, it's not what it says, is it? This promise is conditional. Now, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you Do. do them. Do them. So we're going to have to do that. So God's definition of greatness, not the world's definition of greatness. And listen, we wrestle with this. We see somebody with a big house. We see somebody with a nice car. We see somebody with a big ministry. We see somebody with you whatever your thing is. And we're drawn to something we want to look like. We better we we need need to know God. Wait a minute. I want to be great in your definition of greatness. I don't want to have to be like everybody else. I want to have to be drawn to these other things. Thank you for them if you give them to us. But God, I want to be known as great by you. I, I want you to look at me and say, you are great. That's what I want. So God's definition of greatness is to be a servant and to serve others. That is God's definition of greatness is to be a servant and to serve others. It's almost the opposite of our world. And it's system here. So let's, we've got a new theory now. What is, what is to be great in the kingdom of God is to be a servant and to serve others. Let's test this theory out. Do you know that in the Gospels, Jesus only told two people they had great faith? Only two people. One was the centurion. The centurion came to Jesus on behalf of his servant. And Jesus said, great is your faith. He used his faith to serve someone else. And Jesus said, great is your faith. The other one was a mother, a woman came with a demon-possessed daughter. She came on behalf of her daughter and Jesus said, great is your faith. Well, that would line up with a biblical definition of greatness, wouldn't it? When we, you know, we think about great faith is when I get this accomplished, when I get that accomplished. God's definition of great faith, I think, would be when I use my faith to serve someone else and to bless someone else. You're a little quiet on that one. So let's hear it out of Jesus' own mouth. Mark 10, verse 43. This is, he gives his definition. I love that he physically acted it out. And now this is it given in a sentence. He says, whosoever will be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever shall be great among you will be your servant. Just, it, it couldn't be any plainer than that. So, now that we've got all that information, all those scriptures, let's let's ask some great questions. Let's look at some of the people in the Bible that w- some of those that we read that said they were great in the eyes of God. So, let's go to Genesis 26, let's look at Abraham. It says this, "For I am with you and will bless you and multiply your seed for my servant Abraham's sake." Abraham was great because he was a servant. How about Jacob? Genesis 29, 20. Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and then he served another seven years. Jacob was great because he served. How about Moses? Numbers 12, 7. But this is not true of my servant, Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Moses was great because he was a servant. How about David? Acts chapter 13 verse 36. For David after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation fell asleep. David was great because he was a servant. Daniel. Daniel 6 verse 20. Oh Daniel servant of the living God. Daniel was great because he was servant. And of course how about our Jesus? Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Jesus was great because he was a servant. Come on, I love it. Fashioned like a man. So, here's some great questions to ask. Okay Craig, you, you say God's encouraging us, challenging us to move life forward. Move my family forward move church forward. Well, how do I move my family forward? So I got a a great question to ask. Is it possible to be a great husband? Is it? Are you sure? Now I'm talking kingdom definition. Is it possible to be a great husband? You guys are being a little quiet on me now. How could I be a great husband? Serve who? Your wife. There you go. There you go. Okay. Convicting. Hallelujah. Altar call. Here we go. (laughs) Another question for you. Is it possible to be a great wife? Yes. (laughs) Oh, the girls. But they had a time to warm up (laughs) to that concept. (laughs) They already had their answer in mind before we. I kind of caught the guys like a cow at a new gate. (laughs) What? Wait a minute. How could a wife be a great wife? Seriously. Serve her husband. Amen. Is it possible to be a great father? Yes. How could, I be, how could we be a great father? Serve your, kids. Serve your kids. It's pretty simple, isn't it? This is deep stuff we're going into here. So a question, how, is it possible to be, be a great mom? Yes. How could we be a great mom? Serve our kids. Yeah, come on. Oh, I love it! I love it. It's powerful. It's possible. It's so possible. You know, serving brings down barriers. It, 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 can you ever really make a mistake when you're serving? No, I don't think so. If you're doing it out of a good heart and you did it wrong, at least you're trying. You're serving. I've done that. I've served somebody and they got they got mad with me and I I said I'm sorry. I apologize. But I look up at the Lord and said, you know, I was just trying to serve. Just trying, <laughs> trying to help you. Oh, I got another question for you. So, we're moving life forward, we're moving family forward, we're moving church forward. So, let me ask you another question Is it possible to be a great member of Victory Faith? Yeah, baby. Well, how would you do that? Well, hello. (laughs) Somebody done set you up. (laughs) Somebody just set you up big time. Yeah, if I had a mic, I could drop. I'd drop it. How can I be? Do you know God wants Victory Faith to be a great church? And the only way it will become a great church if it has a great people. A great people. A people that are serving one another, that are serving in the house, serving in the community. We're supposed to serve our city. We're supposed to serve our nation. I love you, McKenna, even when you come up and I'm not ready for you. So God says to us today, go serve your family. Go serve your marriage. Go serve your church. Go serve your city. Go serve your boss. I'm just meddling now. You know, I've, I've been at Victory Faith for 32 years, but we pastored longer than that. And through the years, I've heard people have reasons why they can't serve in the church. Just for entertainment value, should I go through a few of those with you? I mean, it, it probably wouldn't apply to anybody here, but just be fun to do it, wouldn't it? <clears throat> Reasons I haven't been able to, ch- I couldn't serve at church. Number one, one I've heard is I'm too old. I'm too old to serve. Good news for you, Abraham didn't start his ministry until after he was 70. Come on. Now, maybe you have physical limitations, you have some things that would keep you from doing physical things, but there are things that could happen around here. You can join a prayer group and pray this this baby right into heaven and influence in our culture. There's, there's, There's things you can do. Number two, this is one, I usually hear this from business people, business owners, and that's I'm too busy. I'm just too busy. But let me give you three examples that I have been impacted by in my life. First one is a man by the name of S. Truett Cathy. Anybody ever heard his name before? S. Truett Cathy. One of the most amazing people on the planet. He's in heaven now. But you'll know something that he founded and started. He started a company called Chick-fil-A. And he was a billionaire. He was a billionaire. This guy, and, and an incredible Christian, Incredible, incredible Christian. And you know they're not open on Sundays, right? I would leave from here and go get one, but they're not open, so it doesn't do me any good. He is an incredible, he was an incredible Christian. Billionaire, one of, the, one of the early billionaires in our nation, founder of Chick-fil-A. Listen what he would do. Every Sunday, he was in, at home in his city. He would teach Sunday school for 50 years. 50 years every week he taught Sunday school in his church. I bet he was busy. Don't you think maybe? He might have been a busy guy. Another person, we were at a large church that we're connected with that I love, and we've gone to a number of times. And I've seen this guy go around, and he, he's like security for the pastors and guest speakers. And I've gotten to where I watch him. He is sharp. I mean, he's right on it, and he's, he's just kind of keeping an eye on everybody and making sure they're okay and watching. And I, I thought he was somebody on staff. It's a large church. I thought maybe they had somebody just on staff for security just for the pastors. And he's, he's following around, helping. He's got such a great attitude, just smile on his face. And, and uh, I, I, about a month ago or two, I got to sit down and have a bite to eat with him. He is a volunteer. He owns car dealerships. He is a multimillionaire, and he volunteers in his church. Every Sunday he's at home in his church. He volunteers as a security guy to oversee and protect the pastors. I mean, sharp. Now, I'll give you one last example. I think he's a busy guy. I think he's, I was asking him. He said, during COVID, I had to lay off over a hundred employees for a few weeks. And I'm thinking, well, if you laid off a hundred, how many you got? You got a few. But, uh, and uh, we, Moni and I were in another country at a very large church, and they had multiple campuses around in different cities. And we went to this one area, and, and they had, in that campus, they had four to five services every Sunday four to five services. So they had a campus pastor like we do. Pastor Trevor's campus pastor here. Pastor Justin and Christina, campus pastors out out north. They have a campus pastor, but because they have four or five services, they have a pastor over each service, and they call him the service pastor. So Moni and I roll into the nine o'clock service, another country at this church, and I bump into this guy, and I start talking to him, and I find out he's the The service pastor for the 9 o'clock service. So I get talking to him. Impressive, cool guy. And I walk away and I start asking some people questions about him. Is he on staff? What's he doing? They said, no, no, no. He's a doctor in our city. He's a well-known doctor in our city. And he volunteers as a service pastor for the 9 o'clock service in his church. I think he might be busy. Just rolling that out there. Another thing I've heard people say is, I'm not gifted. What could I offer? And I'm going to give you a quote. Do you know this is Black History Month? It is a great month to celebrate the influence, the impact of African-Americans, people of African descent in our nation. It is, it is profound in our nation. And if you haven't studied some of our history, I just challenge you, encourage you to do it. Rosa Parks will stand your hair on end. If you read the story of Rosa Parks and how she stood up in the face of ridicule and adversity and stood for what was right. Um, I, Sojourner Truth, I love her. Harriet Tubman is one of my heroes. I love Harriet Tubman. She's amazing. But my favorite hero that I would celebrate during Black History Month is Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And I'm going to give you a quote of his that goes along with this about, I'm not gifted, what could I offer? This is what he said, and I love it. It's very scriptural. He said, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. Isn't that powerful? Everyone can be great because everyone can serve. And the last example I'll use, I've had people tell me, well, I used to serve at the church I was in before. And I got burned out. and, and I'm Now one thing we believe at Victory Faith is when someone comes here, if you need respite, if you need re- restoration, if you need healing, you come in here, you just get in the presence of God in our worship and let God minister to you. You sit under the word and let these goofy people up here on stage hopefully bring a word from the Lord to, to marinate in your spirit and bless you and encourage you and strengthen you. But somewhere along the line, there comes a place where Holy Spirit's gonna speak to you and say, you need to get plugged in. You need to get in a life group, build relationships. You need, to, you need to serve in the house. And that will happen. It would be like somebody saying, well, I, I did that in the past. I don't do it anymore. It would be like me going last year to Christmas dinner at our house and I did dishes and I served. And then before we go back for Christmas this year, I, I let my mom know, hey mom, just so you know, I'm just going to eat. Just eating. That's all I'm doing. I served last year. Remember? You do remember that, don't you? I served last year, so I'm going to, Am I meddling too much now? Is this just? (laughs) Hallelujah. I love you, Victory Faith. I love you, Victory Faith. I love you. Church is a family. And when family is together and we're preparing for family to show up, everyone pulls their weight. That's what we do. Family is better and healthier when everyone does their part. And I want to thank, we've got some people here who have served their butts off. You'll see them. They're just, it's just straight. I mean, you'll know them. You'll know them. And I want you, when you see them, to say thank you. Thank you for serving your tush off. <laughs> but I <laughs> can't believe I said that. I want to thank, I want to thank those who have served their butts off in this house. It's the great weight loss plant. And you know what? We have had a lot of people sign up this month, and I want to thank you ahead of time. But but if you haven't, Holy Spirit's waiting for you out out in the lobby for you to sign up. Now I want to thank everybody. We have incredible volunteers in this house, and I want to thank you. Hallelujah. So here's your action plan. Pray. If you're not serving in the house, pray, God, where do you want me to plug in? I mean, it's, this is a family. And what happens, I've seen it happen for 32 and more years. If you don't plug in, if you don't build relationships, if you don't serve, what have you got? You've got a drive-in church that you come just drive into. You don't build relationships. And I just tell you what happens over time is, so I don't mind at all challenging and encouraging and prodding. Because I know what's best for you, because those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Come, Holy Spirit. We love you. Love you, love you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Maybe there's some people here today, this is you're going to be the best day of your life, because you're going to say yes to Jesus. You want to know what real love is. See, I can't get free from my past I can't get fully free and healed from my past without Jesus. He's the only one who can heal my past. And he is, the Bible says he's the author and the finisher of my faith. He is the one that designed me. He knows what he wants to use me on the planet for. If I don't find him and say yes to him, I will not fulfill my destiny on planet Earth. So right now I believe there's some people that you know today is your day to have your sin forgiven. To have your past washed clean. So with every head down and every eye closed, I'm going to say a prayer in a minute. And, and uh, if, this is, if this is you, I'm not going to call anybody forward. I just want to know who I'm praying for. So with every head down, every eye closed, if that's you, you say, Craig, I want to I already see those hands. Come on. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Say, Craig, that's me. I want to say yes to God today. I want to get right with God. I want to know what my future, my destiny is. I love it. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, would you all stand up with me? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And that is how easy it is to walk into salvation and walk into the kingdom of God and be a part of the family of God. But that's just the beginning. The next steps are I need to get planted in a house. And I hope this is where God speaks to you to be planted. But if it's not, we have some great churches in our city. You need to take your tush and get planted in a house somewhere. Because that's where you'll be blessed and protected. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Uh, If you raise your hand, say this prayer after me. But Victory Faith family, please say it with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus. I need you. you." Forgive Forgive me for where I've been and what I've done. I believe you came from heaven to earth. And I believe that you died on the cross. But best of all, best of all, I believe you rose from the dead so that I could live. Today, I make you my Lord and I make you my Savior. Today, I'm born again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Huwa. Come on, give the Lord a hand.